Hey, I'm Peter from What's On Your Mind, and today I give you another English-spoken conversation. My guest, Tom Pennings, has lived for quite some time in the US, and now he's living back with his family in Zonhoven, near Hasselt in Belgium, in Limburg. He is a CEO and founder of Sales Nudge, amongst others. He has worked at Apple and at Borland as an engineer, and now Sales Nudge is offering and helping SMEs, especially sales managers, um, to get better at coaching um, through better dashboarding on top of their existing CRM. It's an amazing warm person, Tom Pennings, and it's really unbelievable to see how a ex-engineer has become so yeah, open and commercially focused and that's why I enjoy this two hour full of gold with Tom Pennings. Welcome to What's on Your Mind with Peter Snowart. Every week a guest talks about his or her story and that story can inspire you to change your own. Here's Peter. And passion can come in many, many forms and it is what provides energy. Very important. And, and this was a learning process. So when, when George was born in 2017 and when Pauline was born in 2020, with George, I didn't have that epiphany. With, with Pauline, I did. And it was because I was pressed with my nose on the facts. Because in my memory and what I saw when growing up with my parents, children were a nuisance and a limitation to success. And that's what my learn my vision was on having kids that's why I, one of the reasons i wasn't re- I, I i didn't need to have kids now when um when pauline was born and and that was in the, the start of 2020 so right when covid was hitting and everything else and and um, the family shifted right my wife is a is an anesthesiologist and a emergency doctor so at that point i was single provider for two kids and the first reaction you have is to say oh wow it's going to destroy my business and the nuisance of having the kids and the distraction, the inability to schedule or anything like that is going to cause me to fail. Until this epiphany, this realization came where I saw that it was a source of energy. I just needed to find a way to use the source of energy. And so, and I know it's a common saying when you're 80, you don't think or you don't want to have spent more time in the office i don't see it that way i see it as i'm doing things i want to work on things that make a difference that make me happy along the lines of my vision where i want to go kids help me with that family helps me with that um and it's not about going to the office it's about you have x amount of hours depending on the sleep that you have in a day uh and you want to you want to make best of that and you're not trading. You're just placing elements. Same with food, same with sports. It's a life hacking process. And so when you say tomorrow's the end, we have a, a, a very bad disease, you don't, you don't look at what could have done differently. You say, did I place the energy in the right spots? And am I in a happy place? Ultimately, it doesn't depend especially when you're in that situation, the rest of the people, in their opinion, don't matter anymore. 
It matters whether you feel you're at ease with everything, if you have any regrets. And so I place bursts of energy in my life in the days that I spent. This is the same like coming here. Is it going to be a burst of energy or is it a drain? I don't look at it as going to be a win-win. No, it is a, is this going to give me energy? And that's why, why I enjoy uh, uh, sparring uh, uh, and spending time and discussing things with you because we, we always get on a topic and we, we circle around that. And so when you said, let's come on the podcast, we, we're going to talk about some things. I'm like, all right, that's going to give me energy, especially when now I have a good week. So this, the software that I explained while we were outside, burst of energy. The fact that I was still able to spend an hour to see the kids before and wave and they're all happy and daddy's home. It's a burst of energy. Now I can spend two hours, listen to a podcast. I'm looking another burst of energy. Okay, I haven't heard Stain talk in a while. Great, podcast, last one, perfect. Let's Another burst of energy. It's it's bursts of energy. That's at least how I look at it. Everybody's their own way. So what you're saying, Tom, is you are conscious of where you're going to put your attention on and uh, where, and that's a good one. Um, I, we, in, in business day, talk about time management. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in time management. I believe in energy management. Yes. And I think you should spend uh, focus on things with, which indeed gives you energy like this mm -hmm. conversation and mm -hmm. all the other conversations that we already had. Um, yeah. And, 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 and then feeling of becoming aware of oh, this, this kind of thing, this is, this is draining my energy or even this person is like a vampire. Mm -hmm. It's sucking energy. Exactly. So we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. So net positive, net negative. But so if time management is a good, good comparison, it's a Friday night, right? Um, we, we already saw each other at noon, which was great. Um, we, we can do this virtually. There's many reasons not to drive to Danza. Many. If you look at it from a pure metrics and Excel sheet type of approach. Mm -hmm. But... That's not the only way to assess certain things. We talked about flow. We talked about those are different ways to look at the same situation and say, no, I'm going to do that. Mm. Sure, I could have put the kids to bed, but I know if I place a smaller burst of energy, which is I go home, we have a good conversation with development on the way home. I go see the kids. I can hug them. My wife is really tired. She has just slept because she did the 24-hour shift, but we got a hug in. And she was going to go to the fry stand. And so they're waving at me while I'm driving by. And I could leave with burst of energy. I feel positive when I'm leaving while I'm driving here. Wholly different when all stress is there. Uh, I haven't seen them. I'm frustrated with the fact that I still want to see them, which is a negative. Now you're adding minuses on this energy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's, but, but it's, it's a learning experience. I may sound now like I've got it all figured out and that's not true. I am learning how to work with this new information. Yes. Yeah. Because you sound like an enlightened monk because you look like an enlightened <laughs> monk. <laughs> I know. Especially with the lights, it gives an extra shine to it. Thank you. Uh, your aura. Mm -hmm. And um, because 
and that's the thing I like about you. You're in terms of the, the colors, analytical blue. You're you're you you used to be com- a compiler developer. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> these are the typical people I'd rather avoid, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm really generalizing here. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 I it, it doesn't matter what somebody is doing. It's a little bit yeah, um, and how. For yourself, I mean, you're CEO of Sales Nudge. Mm-hmm. You you have worked in in several companies mm-hmm. in a more technical uh, exactly. environment. Um, where where did you get that wisdom? Because you don't come across like uh, a spiriwiri zweeftief. Uh, <laughs> kind of time. Yeah. so where where you, because that's the you have a great balance between the two you have yeah we can talk about sales and mm-hmm. and tech stuff and and sales models and business models and then you have the energy part of it called the flow part mm-hmm. where the, the conscious part where where did where did you get those insights hmm i'm not sure if it if it, if, if if i can pinpoint it to one point in time I think part of it is the analytical brain, right? The the blue part that you mm-hmm. described. Because I always want to figure out how things can be done better, solve the puzzle. That kind of stuff is is core to my DNA. I had that from a very early age. Um, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm I'm the, the the annoying kid that would take apart kitchen appliances and stuff like that. What I where where the first anecdote i think that that plays into having that mindset was my dad is a school teacher right? okay so you're not born uh, raised in an entrepreneurial no, environment no no my my mom was um was somebody who who uh took care during the night of of ladies that were studying to be a nurse and my dad was a school teacher or yeah was well, he's retired now he was a, a Ger- germanic teacher so english and german um and my dad was very much about you have to study well, you have to learn, you have to educate yourself. Studying is much more important than sports and any of that. But at the same time, I had my granddad who was a true entrepreneur. He um, left school when he was 16, worked in the coal mines, um, decided that wasn't great for his health. And then at the time took an amazing loan out an, an amazingly high loan out in order to run a bicycle shop, mm-hmm. a very small bicycle shop. And he started building it up and turned out to be one of the biggest shops, both in motorcycles and cycles um, in, in the Limburg region out of nothing. And so I always looked up to the self-made man to the, and, and the balance, this is maybe a long winded answer, but the balance between my granddad who said, you just got to figure it out. You got to know the people. You got to feel with the people. And my dad has said, you you study. And as, an, as a natural kid, everybody, when you get to your adolescence, you persist or you resist what your parents say, specifically your father when you're male. And so I was like, no, I want to, I worked in a milk. Uh, there's a really big milk um, uh, factory in, in Limburg. I worked there um, with my track and field club. I... Um, we built what now is the KBC Nacht of the Athletic. Uh, we built, we literally built that 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 structure, and so the amount of feedback and talking about somebody 
who spent their whole life working on a production line, I felt enriched me more than just the books. That was the first idea of like, there's more to the world than just being very well educated and and well read. That was the first time. The second time was, okay, and this is really good because you mentioned before you wanted to talk about the podcast, but like, how do you turn from a compiler engineer into somebody who wants to start businesses? And so my first phase in my life was about being the best computer engineer. That's why I went to Silicon Valley. That's why I worked for the big companies, because I wanted to be the best engineer possible. That competition, the drive to competition was always in my DNA. While I was there, and this is what the company Apple did to me, or did to me is a a wrong expression, but it's an insight they gave me, is if you look at the marketing of Apple around the 2000s, about, um, it's about the crazy ones. I don't know if you remember that video. That was a, a light bulb. A light bulb moment to say, here I am trying to be the best in technology and technology is only a vehicle for the brain. It's one of the expressions that Jobs had. It's a vehicle for the brain. It's a vehicle for the brain. It's about how, what makes you passionate at the end of the day. It's the pictures of your kids. It's the music you heard during your wedding night. It's the music when you crushed it at work or the big deal or maybe jumping around on the, uh, what is it, uh, the offspring while you were uh, in your teens, right? That is what, and immediately when I mentioned the song, do you feel the hair goes up? You f- real right back. It's about emotions. And how can emotions, how can you make that more accessible, easier to get to? If you think about the thousand pockets in your song, in your po- uh, the thousand songs in your pocket, that was about emotion. Previously, you needed to go buy a CD or, uh, and and you wanted you want the immediate gratification. You want to listen to the Offspring, right? You want that back, but it's really hard to get to. What if that was in your pocket? And technology enables that. So now I understood that technology can change and improve experiences, like Uber does for the taxis, like. Um, the, the music store did for finding the song and buying it for 99 cents. That's the epiphany for me to gather that in the end, it's about experiences. It's about feelings. It's about sound. It's about light. It's about the good feel, the hugs. And, and I mean, you dropped the P word like a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's a very important one, mm-hmm. passion. Mm-hmm. Were you always that passionate? Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fought. I remember, so very early on, computers were very important. I felt that. And because we're almost, uh, we're approximately uh, at the same age, so mm-hmm, we're very mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. So, was it an a Commodore 64 that you had? No, or uh, an TRS Amiga? 80. What? Trash 80, uh, TRS 80. Tandy, the Tandy, Tandy yeah, shops. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, this was the very first computer that was accessible to hobbyists. And um, and, and what kind, was it an Unix or what kind of? No, it ran, or actually Coco it or ran, a, a, no, a, a form of basic operating B- basic, system. Basic, yeah, mm-hmm. basic, yeah, yeah. 
And um, those were floppy drives, eh? Oh, that was or we four met, floppy drives with cassette. With cassette. Tapes? Yeah, yeah. I've also it was also my first. And computer. you rewind and you do. And the the reason so I was with my kids. They, they had back then. The uh, the name of it was uh, Hebe, I think they had in Hasselt a uh, Hebe, and I had to go shopping with my parents. And I wasn't the kid that was hanging out in the in the toys area but there were up there screens with computers and you could type on them and they were running some demo and then i started seeing what this can do and so at the time speaking about passion my parents said don't do that that is a waste of time people who play games is they're never going to make it in life and i said no i i think this is going to be the future i really believe that i believe that that this thing is going to make a difference, whatever it was. It was very vague. And so I started, a friend of mine had one of those. So after hours, I was coding there. And then my um, my dad's brother once gave me a basic programming book and said, you could probably do more with it than I did. And so my parents said, no, this is like TV. Computers are like TV. You get half an hour every other day to work on the computer or whatever you need to do because they didn't understand what I was doing. And that's it. Right. So I would write, I still found these books about uh, a few years ago where I would write like papers and papers of coding manually out in my brain, trying to figure out what this would be. So, and then I taught myself how to type so that in the 30 minutes that I got from my parents, I could type the program, test it out, and then maybe write some stuff down so that I could, um, in, in on paper, fix it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, if you, if you tell that story, I, I remember vividly the times where I was also coding mm-hmm. and the thing was then you, this is very different than it is today. Of course, so yeah. You, yeah, you, you type in the code and then you need to run it. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> suddenly <clears throat> it stops because there was a bug, mm-hmm. an error. So you had to, yeah, I had to correct that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you can rerun it again. And it was, yeah, that was, was, and, and then for me came MS-DOS. Yes. And then I started deleting pieces of line within the, what was it called? OTEXEC.BAT and mm-hmm. the, the system. Sysconfig. Yeah, dot. indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So I <laughs> literally, <laughs> the, the computer went, I had to reformat it, mm-hmm. boot it from a disk and things like that. And, and it did over yeah. and over. And then, then my mouse was no longer working because yeah, I deleted some driver and, um, yeah. And and yeah, it 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 really brings memories because yeah. Uh, yeah. But my parents were very supportive because the first computer was an an uh, Philips, um, was it called MSX? Yeah, or XT probably. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then um, yeah, and then it was an indeed an XT and MS DOS and things. Like that. So they they were very supportive. But they didn't believe in the music thing, so mm-hmm. they were. They, they, so the guitar was like what your parents were mm-hmm. like. TV for me, they, they they were like, yeah, but why guitar? That's not. So I had to push it to really get it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's different. But it teaches you persistence, right? And that's why I mean by passion. I, my core DNA felt that's where the world's gonna go. Um, even before it did. And I'm not saying I'm a visionary. I'm just saying it, it feels so close to me. And for it came from 
like I said, taking apart kitchen appliances, then my parents were like, we're going to have to find a way to to satisfy his desire to <laughs> disassemble and assemble things. So I got my first Lego and that was done the first Dundee building box. And then I got the 50 experiments that didn't take long enough. So then I got the 200 experiment and then I got the first chemistry box and then I burned down nearly the garden house. So they're like, we have to find things. And the computer fixed that. Mm. Now I had a thing where only the imagination was the limit of what I could experiment with. Because with the computer and programming, you can do anything, no. literally anything. Now, I want to pause here, Tob, is, mm-hmm. um, because this conversation is going completely in, <laughs> in a direction which I didn't plan, which is perfectly Pretty fine, fine yeah. because this is called flow. I don't consider myself as a talented musician, mm-hmm. nor as a talented sales business uh, mm-hmm. builder. What I have is persistence, consistency, drive and passion, which makes up for that talent. How do you look? And I have discipline. That's the reason why people like, how in the hell are you able to do, to have every Tuesday a podcast? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, yeah, it's really something in me. Mm-hmm. It will be there. I will make it happen. I don't care how it's going to happen. And these are new lights. I'm mm-hmm. like, mm, is this going to be perfect? So I'm always trying to improve. But I, 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 for me, the, 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 that passion, that drive is for me, um, um, of course, you need to have a little bit of knowledge and expertise mm-hmm. and, and talent. Eh? Yeah. Otherwise, but it's for me really that, that drive, that passion that is really the differentiator of becoming great at something. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that? Well, you forgot one curiosity. Yeah, indeed. Very important. Yes, and that's why you have ABC, always be curious. Mm-hmm. Very important in sales. Yes. Yes, so yeah. yeah. yeah that's it, the reason why I have podcasts, because I'm so curious and I want, I want to soak everything up. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a great one. But what's what's your take? Because I find that an, an interesting interesting um insight that I want to learn from you because it's it's also something you will use in in recruiting people mm-hmm. so do you believe it's talent are you talented in 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 coding you have uh, or you have that it's that passion which makes you great at it Tom Pennings is silence ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Because I don't think there's a straight answer to that one. Of course not. Because, well, so one of the things that I would, did when I was younger was track and field running, right? And so I'm an okay running. I'm not a great runner. And I think for physical aspects, of course, there's your DNA. Because talent captures a lot, right? It's your DNA. It's your physical ability. It's... Um, and, and that makes you maybe run really fast, but to become the fastest, then experience, curiosity, willing to change, experiment, all of those things come into play. A Usain Bolt would have never become a Usain Bolt if he would have just run on talent. Never possible. Impossible. I've seen some really great people. I've seen some really great runners. If they don't at one point in time either have good coaches or have really good guidance, then they will never make it. And I think that applies to that question too. Talent needs to be there. You need to have an ability. And talent could also be the passion and the curiosity. 
right? That it's a cocktail of, of elements, skills, but, but skills are trainable. Yes. You can pick things up if you have enough curiosity and passion to persist. Very key. That's why I believe if you're talking recruitment, and I, I get this question when <clears throat> I, I do spend, I think once a quarter, I go to schools to talk about this. And there's really no ROI, except for I really enjoy seeing people who are still trying to figure out what they are good at. And they're using metrics that we use in the adult world to see if they're good enough. The only thing they should be worried about is what's the one thing that you want to stay up and not sleep for hours um, just to get it done um, and, 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 and cultivate that. I think that's a very key thing that no test, no puzzle, no experiment is ever going to get when you're hiring. A second thing that I think... Oh, 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 oh. you want to pause because you're touching gold here. This is very interest, interesting uh, stuff. Assume you have a bunch of 18-year-old young people, huh? school uh, is sitting in front of you, and they ask you, Mr. Pennings, how do I discover my talents? How do I discover my that thing that will keep me up at night, like the thing that Michelangelo, when he was painting in the, the 16th okay. chapel, mm -hmm. uh, the paint was uh, dripping in, into his eyes. He was becoming almost blind, mm -hmm. but he was so passionate. It's the same with Beethoven, or was it Bach? Mm -hmm. And one of, one of the two was, was, was um, de becoming deaf, mm -hmm. but he still kept on playing. I mean, it's, it's that, it's that, thing that 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 you keeps the fire burning but how do you i mean how do you how do you detect that how did you know for yourself how 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 what what's what's the secret there is just by doing things experimenting things yeah and now we're going to a whole different realm that i don't know if we want to open that pandora box um the thing is Unfortunately, through the education system that we have, it's very difficult and the society, so the pressure from your parents to experiment. It's, it's really not in our DNA. And if you look at Belgium specifically, we are very conservative people. We try to stick to what we've only study hard, work hard, and you will get somewhere or you will get a good job and make money. Uh, and, and, and I disagree with that a little yeah, bit. percent. <clears throat> um, I, I believe, and I've seen I, specifically because we have um, a son that's about the same age. I've really been looking for educational systems, and I've seen some. Forget the name, but where your kid in the first three, four years of elementary school gets to try everything, everything, look around, play with it. They don't like it, they move on. And at a certain point now, you have to you turn it up. Now you have to perform. You've got to study. And then the regular ways of motivating people is there. Unfortunately, in a conservative system like Belgium is, and that's not a negative thing because I can also name a whole list of benefits. Um, the challenge is when you're 18 then, or even 16, what do I, well, my parents said that I really should do Latin Greek and I've, I've done that and I've tried to get good grades. But what, what do you like to do? Well, I watch some Netflix and I game a little bit. But they didn't experiment. 
they haven't had a good chance to experiment about what they like and what they don't. And I think there's an opportunity there to really facilitate that. Mm-hmm. Now, giving your uh, use case of saying there's 18-year-olds, they don't know, they haven't discovered what makes them passionate yet. Well, then you have to start that journey right there. Because I have spoken also in schools mm-hmm. and I've spoken to a, a, a group of uh, 17, 18 year mm-hmm. young people and I asked who knows his talents, who knows what he's passionate about or he or she. And I only had one person. All mm-hmm. the rest was like, we don't know. And I asked mm-hmm. who wants to be rich? Everybody. And then I asked how you're going to be rich? And then you get things like there was one person entrepreneur mm-hmm. and there was one playing football mm-hmm. and there was one uh, marrying a rich uh, woman. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked. I was feeling sorry for them because I had the feeling, and now I'm going to be a little bit yeah, black and white, is I had the feeling that the education system sucked the whole energy thing right out of them and even creativity because they had to stick into a certain process in certain format which for some children will fit and for others not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that they were actually disconnected from maybe their soul, from who they are mm-hmm. as a person. Um, and yeah, I was like, yeah, if I then look at the interns, eh, because mm-hmm. I had some interns, they also have that. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing there is that they are, yeah, I don't know, they they are more open and more passionate to experiment within a certain thing. But most interns that I had took me aside and said, Peter, I have stress within six months. I I will be graduating Mm -hmm. and I I don't know what I want to do. I I don't know what to do. And I said, to be honest, I didn't knew it either Mm -hmm. because Oh, you were not, you didn't choose, choose uh, sales as a, as a profession. No, I didn't. Mm-hmm. It was an accident. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And that's actually uh, the advice that I give is, yeah, I mean, everything before 30 is learning. So this yeah. means do something, do you fail. I mean, it's uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do, do an account manager role for two, three years, mm-hmm. commercial skills. You will always need. Yes. Always. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, whatever, to, to sell something internal, it doesn't matter if you know if you don't uh, have an ambition to to stick to that commercial career. But it's these commercial skills are, it's yeah, you can learn those things. So um, and then experiments and then experiments in different environments, and yeah, make sure that that you, yeah, that you be careful with whom you will work for. Yes, can you learn something from them, and will they? Leave it's, the room when the smartest when you're the smartest person in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And 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 that you, yeah, that 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 you feel okay. These did they see the potential and mm-hmm. they want to, yeah, get that out of me because but it's the same with startups. A mentor in the early stage should not be a mentor at later stage. There are very few mentors you want to have along the ride, all the way to to you know a hundred people company. Um, I see that too often. It's very important to choose your mentors and to evaluate. And the best mentors are the ones that know when to quit. But it's the same. 
you are now CEO, how much, how, how many persons are working at Sales Nudge? If you look at independent contractors, there's about yeah. 11 people. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty confident that you are a great CEO right now, but you will suck when the company is 100 persons. And I don't want to be that CEO then. I have no ambition. I know exactly where my limits are. Mm -hmm. I know where I want to learn and I know where I need to scale, but I don't want to be a person running a thousand people company. No, no, no. That's okay. I, I mean, maybe when I was 20, I had the ambition, but no, you need to know where you apply and where you can do things and where you can make a difference. And where in my 20s and 30s, I, I still thought I could learn anything. And I'm pretty good at learning. I have good curiosity, but the speed by which it's learned as you get older, it slows down. Is it? Yes, for sure. Yes. I don't know, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. I, I, huh. You have to see, let's say you're in a company and hypothetically, you need somebody um, to run sales, Right. You want a VP of sales. You want somebody who knows how to get from zero to 100 customers. Mm. And you will find that person. Mm. A good person, a good VP of sales is going to say at a certain point, all right, we're to 100 person. I can take this company 1 million ARR and then we need somebody else. I could learn that. But if you, the most successful startups are startups that can gain uh, contain the speed yeah. So do you want to wait for that VP who brought the company to 1 million ARR to be able to figure out how we can get to 10 million ARR no, no. or do you hire? No, you hire. Yeah. But then you need, like I did uh, in my previous job at Solid, I basically grew the team so that I was no longer necessary. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I learned from David Dupré. Yeah. And it sounds very strange for a lot of people and they're like, but then you're out of job. That's the goal because I don't want to, uh, I'm not suitable for that kind of thing to, 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 to make it bigger. Um, and but you can bring another company with that same skill set yeah, to the same yeah, and level. That's, and that's, and that's the thing. So, uh, maybe you're, when you're 20, you have an ego thing. Yeah. You mm -hmm. want to let it grow. And I'm, mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, no, it's it's. I'm even not even CEO material. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. even care. That's mm -hmm. something Frank Mana has mm -hmm. pointed me out, and my ego hurt it uh, like ten, twelve years ago. But he was so right because I, mm -hmm. I, I would hate that. It's yeah. not again giving me energy. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, but it's it really takes guts to, to 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 know where your strengths would give you energy and to say no. These are the. Not a limitation, but it's just not my zone of genius. Mm -hmm. But you have a curiosity. Maybe you want to develop that skill, but you have to be realistic. That's what I mean when you uh, grow okay. older. You cannot develop all the skills no. because now you're doing an MBA. You can do an MBA. You can do a developer's MBA or, or a developer's training too. The thing is, there's a certain things where you're naturally good at. Here comes the talent thing or where your curiosity and your passion takes you. That is the part that in a certain time, in a certain company, it creates a lot of value, but you need to know when you're no longer creating yeah. value. But the, the reason why I mentioned that, Tom, is that because um, I understood that you said that when you're 25, your mm -hmm. learning capabilities are higher than when you are 40, mid-40s. Mm -hmm. 
And I know that people say that. And but again, if you have the passion and and the drive, mm -hmm. I believe you are still capable of of learning a lot as long mm -hmm. as you take care of the vehicle that needs to learn being your body mm -hmm. uh, sporting yep. drinking water uh, Life hacking, don't yes. don't don't eat a lot of processed food and things like that because that will determine your the 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 health of your your brains 100% yeah, you sure. are what you eat and mm -hmm. uh, i'm not saying that i'm always 100% eating uh, great, but I'm offer healthy, but I'm at least more aware than 10 or 20 yes, or yeah. 30 years ago because, um, yeah, I want to, eh, we have both young sons mm -hmm. and, and I want to, how do you say that? He is challenging, challenging me also mentally and I want to also stay fit. I don't of want course, to be yeah. 65 and, and, and be like a, yeah, laying in, in the couch because mm -hmm. I really want to, of course. Yeah, uh, be young also for him because mm -hmm. then he's like 20-ish mm -hmm. something. Um, you want to get to the stage that the adolescence and the resistance against the parent is gone and they come back mm. to the point that they ask for advice, their first marriage, that kind of stuff. I, I look yeah. forward to that. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> I interrupt, interrupted you. Eh? The, um, we're going to switch a little bit gears. Mm -hmm. um, I know you by accident. In the universe, they would say it's never a coincidence. It, mm -hmm. it, hey, your vibe attracts your tribe. And um, because, yeah, my first encounter with you, <laughs> I was like, what strange, arrogant motherfucker is he? And mm -hmm. um, and then I met you in person by accident because you were sitting next to me on the We Are Sales event. Mm -hmm. Yes. And <clears throat> and 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 my because I didn't know that was you who sent me those strange D DMs, and and I yeah immediately something clicked in me and I was like I'm going to help that guy, mm -hmm. and I mean I have the right now the perception um, based on. Um, input of other people who talked about you in front of me mm -hmm. um, that uh, you worked for Apple and mm -hmm. Borland and, and, and you worked in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. um, so you have in their eyes, eyes some kind of a hero or rock star um, mentality. And I know you're trying to play the guitar and, mm -hmm. eh? and um, I mean, how do you, make sure that your ego because of that Silicon Valley label that you have, um, that you don't think that the ass is shining out of your ass <laughs> or that, uh, what is it? Greenwich runs through my uh, rear crack. Yeah. Um, you understand my question? I, I think I do. I'll, I'll attempt. Um, because if you work, humble is a skill. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, as a male, Mm -hmm. going in your 20s I mean that ego thing even in the beginning of 30s mm -hmm. I mean you work for Apple you get mm -hmm. lots of money Silicon Valley it's being hyped everybody tells you you're doing great I mean suddenly your ego thinks you're also great which is which is normal and but you seem like a very humble um, not bragging person to me yeah because or you're a faker when you're around yeah, me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, um, 
I like puzzles. And so what you did matters, of course, but that's not going to, I mean, it's a good, a good example is <clears throat> I started sales nudge in 2022. The idea had been around for a while, but when we really started building prototypes was in 2022. And I started looking for mentorships and people are like, you've done, you've got on Sophic, you've, you've made big deals, you've built software, you've built teams. And I said, well, but this first time I'm doing pure SaaS. So I'm going back to basics. I, I don't, yeah, but you have, yeah, but that doesn't matter. That comes back to the mentor thing. You are only as smart as the experiences that you have. And so if I were to go back to Silicon Valley and I would go back to any big company there, Tesla, whatever, then yes, but I don't need to do that. I already did that. I want to solve a new puzzle. And that's where the curiosity and the passion comes in. I want to try something new. And the only way is to leave as much baggage as you had behind, meaning ego, oh, I know it all. It's, it's not, it's not going to be the most successful path. You're better off to say, I don't know much. And so if you're talking about mentors, if I'm going to go there and say, I am the world. And like I said, Greenwich runs through my rear end, then I'm not going to learn a whole lot. I'm not going to learn a whole lot. If I go in and say, I don't know anything about sales. You've had some experiences. Sure. It wasn't what you chose out to be, but I'm sure you can be able to tell me a hell of a lot more about sales versus I come in and I say, I know everything about sales. We got this figured out. I got a software piece. We do this perfectly. What am I going to learn? Really? And so you need to see what drives you. What drives me is to figure it out. I want to see how this works. And the only way I can figure this out is either run through the experience myself or talk to people who've had the experience. They have spent the time and they can tell me a lot more things than I can do in a lifetime. That's why reading books is time travel. Talking to people is time travel. It's taking their experiences. Now, if I come in boasting, I'm not going to get that. And was everything that you touched touched turned into gold? No. I mean, because if I look at... Um, I, I think it's a, a little bit also your personality. I mean, Lemberg West Flanderen, it's not Antwerp. I mean, eh? so we eh, be normal, act normal. Eh? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a typical thing. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why culturally seen West Flanderen and, and Limburg, mm -hmm. they, okay, the first one, they talk very fast, the last one's very slow, but for the rest, they, they recognize that, uh, that humbleness a little bit, because yeah, everybody who is sticking out, they're going to make sure that, uh, that act normal, which isn't always a great thing, by the mm -hmm. way, because sometimes it's fake humbleness, but, and and you need to also sometimes take the stage. Yes, and yes. I think that's a little bit the disadvantage of the under the church mentality. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's a correct English word um, uh, within West Flanders. Eh? Mm -hmm. And, um, but for me, um, I, 
I really believe that being successful, whatever that means, eh, and getting mm-hmm. your targets and 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 mm-hmm. making exits, it's it's like cocaine. It's like drugs where um, you think that yeah you're successful and blah blah blah, and your ego eh, is boasted. Whereas where it really doesn't work because there is no addressable market and you didn't do any technical due diligence at all and you just trusted the persons and just went for their passion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And then, yeah, the product did not sell. Mm-hmm. Never. Um, and then your ego hurts because, yeah, I blame it on myself. And then afterwards, it took me years to recover emotionally, also by the help of, of colleagues, even recently, where I saw one of those top engineers, the top developers, and he said, I said to him, I, I really felt badly for years that, that that I was not able to sell that 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 product of yours. And he said, I have the same feeling, Peter, and I felt very sorry because you did everything you could, but there was no market for it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were a lot of developers who emotionally went, I wouldn't say burnout, but they quit IT for that. They yeah. they they started teaching or get Habits, a, get a yeah. psych, psycholo- psychology major. But I, I didn't knew that. I didn't know that. So I was like, and he was like, you're not alone, Peter. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame that you had to grow, go through that alone because I really quit. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say goodbye to anybody. I just went outside and I was gone. I was really a little bit dramatic. Eh? Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't angry at them. I was angry at myself mm-hmm. because I find myself loser. Whereas after was afterwards, years later, because it's more than 10 years ago, I mean that was one of the biggest gifts. That I, that I received because it made me humble and realize that, I mean, it's not because you have been successful with one product within one industry, within one context, within one time mm-hmm. era, eh? um, that it immediately means that you can apply all those same principles to another in product. So you have to restart again with beginner's eyes and to uh, stop cutting corners mm-hmm. uh, and to to yeah to basically go through everything again and ask everything um and really yeah to see yeah ask the right questions there and and don't yeah cutting um any any corners there and that experience really um yeah Challenged, it hurted my ego, mm-hmm. and also learned me that I mean, my my self worth was attached to getting a target mm-hmm. or um, yeah, getting deals done, and I was like, oh shit, because it hurt it because I thought that would make me happy, and and so. From that that experience, I I mean, there is the, the person that I am, and mm-hmm. then there's the, the things that you're doing, like sales, and that makes me 
how do you say that? Um, yeah, de-attached in some kind of way so that it makes me, yeah, I had my good times and I also had my bad times. So that makes me, yeah, I don't know that. I only would suggest that this or this or this or this is something that I feel that potentially would work. Mm-hmm. But I need to validate it and test that. That's why I'm a big fan of um, yeah, validation to, to, to really test, right. iterate, and then conclude. And I also have the same uh, principle for music. So when everybody is having an idea, then I say, okay, we play them all. And then we decide what is going to work and not going to yeah, put that idea in our head. And then, oh yeah, no, it's not going to work. No, you don't know. First you try right. it. Yeah. But that's actually, it's, it's a, it, it hits on many points. One is the best salespeople listen, right? The more, if, if your ego is going to play and you're going to want to sell and you're going to go after it, you're just going to blast in the doors and be like, I'm going to show you the best product in the world. And, but you haven't really asked what the issue is. What is this customer dealing with? Maybe, maybe they just had a family member pass away. Maybe he called you because, I don't know, recognized you from from a friend. The ask is the first, and that's humbleness. That is saying, hey, great, we meet. I'm really happy you took the time out. What triggered you? What? Why are we sitting down? And instead of, talking about the price and what your product can do and how great it is, maybe it doesn't even apply to the person that you're sitting down with. Good salespeople, and I'm not the expert, I I actually look at you for this, but good salespeople look for a win. They look for a win-win. What do you need? Can my product do that? And the really great salespeople say, I I don't think we can help you. I I think you're probably going to look for something else but still appreciate you taking the time. If you're going to come in and boast and all this other stuff, and this comes back to listening, being okay with letting go. Yeah, that's it. Being okay with it. Because that's the first phase in learning. When you fight the loss or not hitting the target, then just self-reflections, why this happened and internalizing it is not going to help you understand what went wrong and how you can make things different. As soon as you battle and you fight, you go back to the testosterone mode, mm-hmm. then I'm not saying it's completely impossible, but the, the chances that you learn is, is very low. The chances that you sell your product if you come in boasting with a lot of ego is very low. Sure, in some circumstances that works, but especially enterprise sales business to business sales it's all about tell me what your challenges are and we can see if we can i just want time where you can explain what you're dealing with the more open you are about what your challenges are and how you think based on the website a reference whatever it is that we can help you the more i can see if we match and i won't waste your time if there's not if there is if i show you in a demo now I'm talking software products, what we can do to help you fix that, would you consider that? Yeah, I fully, I 100% fully agree. And therefore is the ego thing a very important one. Why do you do what you do? 
Mm-hmm. Are you here just for your own external validation and boosting your ego thing? Hitting your numbers, getting your commission? Yeah. yeah. Or are you here or, to help me? Yeah. Or you're, or you're here because you really want to make, make a dent or an impact mm-hmm. on that person's business. And that's an... For me, the great salespeople are that. Mm-hmm. So they, 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 they don't care about. Of course, they care about the money and the sure, commission. Sure. But it's, you have to it's, have drivers. It's, it's, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not the main one. It's not. It's not. And people feel that difference. Mm-hmm. They feel it. Are you really want to create an impact? That's that intention that they're feeling, or is it just because you're doing a job and you want to? You're thinking about your commission. But that builds in the first driver, trust. Yeah. Do I trust you that with the challenges I'm dealing with, do I trust you with sharing these challenges, first thing? And do you do I trust you that you're going to help me solve them or do your damnest to help me solve mm. them? Yeah. You, you, you mentioned now a couple of times that you say, but I'm not an expert in sales. Mm-hmm. Why do you say that? And, and, and what makes somebody an expert in sales? Because... Sales is just a very generic term. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody is more like an expert in a certain region, mm-hmm. niche, uh, because it doesn't exist. The hundred percent. I'm not a sales expert in um, uh, high volume sales. Mm-hmm. Eh? Frank Mann is also. He, we had lots of discussions 20 years ago about it. That's, that's one of the biggest lessons that I share with him. If you take somebody who has been through a very product-driven high-volume sales mm-hmm. and then put them in a very complex high-value sales and low-volume, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not going to work because yeah. those sales, it needs to go very fast and it's really trail the other ones with the value. The product is actually the sales. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because it's in the conversation, it's really in the application of the knowledge, and then comes the tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so why, why, why? I mean, why do I say expert? But for, from because you you say from yourself you are not an expert, and I'm like, yeah, but I found you an expert. Maybe you mean that you didn't have thirty thirty years plus exactly. sales. But I'm going to share you a secret, Tom. Mm-hmm. If I see, it's my personal opinion, eh? you mm-hmm. can disagree, of course. Eh? I mean, for for, for DropSort, but also for, uh, for AmpliData 10 years ago, I had to recruit people. Mm-hmm. And um, recruiting salespeople is a skill and an art. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really um, a very difficult one. And it's really knowing where that person's at potential and if he or she is going to fit into the team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because you can dream about the perfect salesperson, mm-hmm. but you can wait until a bunny with a white tail comes mm-hmm. along, etc., etc. So, I mean, and um, if I meet somebody who has worked and I'm going to make it quite black and white to make mm-hmm. it quite simple. If somebody who has worked, for instance, 10 years plus, even five years plus, and there are exa- there are um, um, exceptions. Eh? So we have to be very careful. 
for imagine a SAP, IBM, Microsoft mm-hmm. for 15 years. Imagine eh, 15 years and they every two years they change jobs and they have very fancy, fancy titles. That would, for me, not make him or her a sales expert fitting, for example, into a CRO, VP sales role at Sales Nudge. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, and it's it, it applies for people um, even within a smaller company who has been working there for 20 years as sales, mm-hmm. because then I'm like, you have learned to do a circus trick mm-hmm. and yeah, you have and do it, and you have doing it over and over and over and over again. And you are not open to, um, for, for new, um, dialogues mm-hmm. and new insights um and and typically they are attached to a very closed mindset of course yeah um so history has worn them <laughs> yeah so and then you can say from a distance in the in the in the normal and normal you can say yeah they have 20 years of sales experience i'm like no they they have not they have 20 years of um sticking around in a corporate organization and they know uh, exactly what they need to do mm-hmm. and to survive in such an environment and right. have nothing against that. It's just that I don't, um, that kind of persons would not fit in, in a rather more like startup mentality because your mind needs to shift and it needs to be challenged. And one day you've learned this and the other day you come to the insights, it's completely 180 degrees opposite yeah. of you just, and you need to pivot, yeah, pivot that quickly. and to say, I was wrong. It's it's now this. Mm-hmm. The reason why I said it in your case is because your career, and like you said, you didn't start off as sales, but you are constantly looking. You are reevaluating. You're open to how can I change this? And you've worked in multiple companies in different environments, not always as sales roles, but with sales. Always as sales roles, eh? Always. Okay. Always, always. So you have a much broader experience with sales in different use cases. And by nature, you're curious. So you're going to look at the situation. You're going to look like, okay, this is what happened. All right. How do I apply what I have learned in the past? And how can I find a way to make it work right here? That's an experience that I unfortunately don't Mm. have. Right. That is the 30 years. The 30 years is indeed not, I've sold, um, not anything against Coca-Cola, but I've sold Coca-Cola bottles for 30 years. Mm. And so here comes back to the mentor thing that keeps coming back. The mentor thing is people who may not be the top of the bill. They may not be somebody sold billion dollar deals 10 years in a row. The person who has tried this, tried that, may, may have made small successes but their peaks in their experiences and how they're trying new stuff to make it work is sometimes way more valuable than somebody who did the biggest deal ever yeah but i've done deals of 65 million euros Mm -hmm. and i know how those deals work and i can say those are not the best salespersons Mm -hmm. those are great excel persons Mm -hmm. Um, and they know how to navigate, and it's it's an art also course, doing yeah. that, of course. Eh? Mm-hmm. Um, but but building, and if then somebody comes along and is boasting about, yeah, I done the million euro deals. I'm like, okay, explain to me in detail mm-hmm. exactly 
how the sales process went, what mm-hmm. you did, and explain it to me. And then... And then, you, and, and, yeah. then, and then explain me the details and based on the details that they're giving me, mm-hmm. then I can, then I can really detect were you leading the pack mm-hmm. or were you sitting on top of a, a thing yeah. where other people were pushing. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and what is really cool in that is how much creativity did yeah. you have to do to make yeah. this thing land, yeah. you know, and creativity hang, hangs on. Did the organization provide you the slide deck? Did the, was there a blueprint? Was there a sales process? Somebody could figure uh, out. For no, for me, it's, that's, uh, I mean, if, if I look at myself, I, I look, I, I, I've, and I remember that from IBM, it was 2007. Yeah. And I started at IBM. It was like, ah, <gasps> I'm now going to learn everything. And I said to, I really remember to my manager, Pete Tange, and I said, Pete, don't ever put me into security. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> For two days, mm-hmm. after two days, he came to me, Peter, we have changed your job. You're now going to do security. And I'm like, oh. And, and I was like, you bitch. Mm-hmm. And the... The thing was like, so I had all the slides, I had everything and the sales plays and the thing. And I was like, nah, this is not it. And I went on a, how do you call that? Some kind of learning trip thing in, 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 uh, in, in, in Vienna, mm-hmm. in, uh, in, uh, yeah, Austria, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. and, um, and I was like, uh, okay. And what I did, and it's actually the stupid, it's not stupid, but it's it's the simple thing. So my Belgian colleagues, the, so they arrived and, and we were talking and I was talking with them and I was like, yeah, they they were mauling and they were not really positive and, and, and they, they, because I was the only one security, they were doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, mm, this is not where I'm going to get the, the magic. And so... They were giving courses and lessons and they were talking about the security thing. And I was like, ma, this is internal marketing sales thing. You have never seen a customer or this is the way the US would do it, but mm-hmm. not in Europe. Yeah. Eh? I'm talking 2007. Eh? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there is something off here. There, it's, it's, it doesn't resonate. The slides are full of very difficult acronyms and very good difficult terms. I'm like... Uh, I mean, nobody cares about federated identity management and reconciliation, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, there's something missing here. And then the magic, and it's so simple. It's, 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 uh, and and we're coming back to the books and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's about, okay, at night, that was my learning experience. So what I did, um, because I, I felt really alone mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I'm here. So what I do, um, uh, at the time I still, uh, uh, I consumed alcohol and I, I, yeah, I, and because the whole bar was filled with, with IBMers, so there was nobody else. And mm-hmm. I just starting to start talking to random people and they were Germans <laughs> and I discovered that um, the leader of that pack, um, who was actually very successful in security, and then, and then we we, we drank and uh, and I remember every night I was drinking 
with them. Hey, mm -hmm. we were hanging out, having a good time. And then we went to a discotheque mm -hmm. in the middle of the week. And so I was very tired because, yeah, you had to get up early. And, and I said, I mean, how do you do it? What, what's your magic? And he took a cart mm -hmm. uh, where they put beers on. Eh? And he, he took a pencil and he started drawing a very simple, yeah, storytelling thing mm -hmm. on, a, on a whiteboard. And, and I was like, ah, I get this. This I can explain to, to people that they, were and they will understand the message. Mm -hmm. So I get rid of all the slides. Yeah. And, and that for me is also creativity. So I was, I was like, I'm going to apply this. And in no time, I was actually copying his, team and mm -hmm. his thing. And I never said, this is my thing. I always refer to, it's Andreas, his thing. Mm -hmm. It's the trademark belongs to him. I'm just an apostle, a follower of his methodology. Three years later, that became the European yeah, presentation because of that. And so that's also the creativity is looking for those you know the because we have young children um there there is a fairy tale where they leave those breadcrumbs mm -hmm. eh? yeah. and i really believe that that successful people leave breadcrumbs there are all things that you can learn from and copy from if you are curious and are passionate mm -hmm. good and if you and if you ask the right questions and so hey, this is also for me creativity for uh, um some kind like what you mentioned already before i mean i want to be the dumbest guy in the room mm -hmm. i really as a magician i want to be the 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 the, the, the baddest i like the baddest i want i don't want to be the best magician in the room because i mean where can i then step on my toes because i like that pain that struggle a little bit of i don't know what to do and uh, I mean, and, and then soaking up that, that intelligence. Because and the pain is the progress. Yeah, that's true. It's a chance for progression. As long as you relate, and that goes back to your story about um, when, when we had the failure, the product, yeah. you couldn't sell it. That is pain. And as soon as you start understanding that the pain is learning, yeah. then you start looking at things in a different way. Yeah, but now you say it's very easy. But I mean, in the West, we associate pain with, with something that we don't want to feel. Mm -hmm. So we, or we drink it away or we, we, we eat it away or we watch Unless a lot it's of positive. Things. As long pain, pain doesn't have to be negative. No, pain, pain is actually a, a, a portal to, to growth. I forget. I think it was Schwarzenegger who once said, and it's a weird, weird but, but he, I think he one point made a quote along the lines is, there was this competitor for the Mr. World Championship, and he said, it's crazy. I see this one guy, like, crunching like crazy. But every time you come up, you smile. And he said, yes, because understand, every rep I do, I'm closer to winning. Mm. So I'm smiling. That's also the same for sales. Eh? I mean, mm -hmm. if you get the rejection, I mean, I'm conditioned by the nine no's. Of the 10th one is a yes. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of persistence. Right. Also, because if you are open, willing to learn, you hear during the sales conversations, resistors. Yes, but maybe I don't... Those things, the next sales conversation, you're going to say, I know, has sales nudge, a lot of data is processed, but don't worry, we've got it solved this in this way. You're taking 
resistors away along the way, purely based on the conversation you had with previous people, as long as you're listening to them. I, I have for myself a principle eh? I, in sales, but also for music. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the music. I need to sacrifice six, seven gigs, performances, live performances. Mm-hmm. And then from the eighth one, it's a rock solid tight machine. Mm-hmm. So it's really, but I need those eight live performance or six to eight live performances. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's something I cannot replicate in a rehearsal room. Mm-hmm. Mm? Yeah. So it needs to be really that that's insecure. There is audience. I mean, to get the playlist right, the tightness, the the, the non-verbal communication because musicians communicate in a non-verbal way because they can't because mm-hmm. they they're playing. And if they are if they are if they are doing it too obvious, mm-hmm. people in the uh, in the crowds will react, and it's non-professional. Amateur mm-hmm. musicians are like. <laughs> with their face you, you fucked up eh? yeah. you don't do that you just yeah. look to the other and then they know how the way I look yeah, yeah. and people in the audience don't know but I heard you made a mistake there and it's okay we keep on going um, and in sales for new services and new products eh? I mean I know I have to fail on five or six deals mm-hmm. and then I have the winning clue. Then I know the value proposition, what to say, the question that I ask, mm-hmm. the positioning. And I always need, so, and people are like, but you're losing. No, I'm just getting closer to a win mm-hmm. because I need to have those losses right. in order to know because yes, you can explain to me in a, in a in a room that's the value proposition and that's the the blah 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 blah. That's the product. I'm like, we'll see. Mm-hmm. You say that it's that's my typical customer. It's something I maybe it's true, maybe it's mm-hmm. not. But where are the where are the, the 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 proof when when there are not a lot of customers? Mm-hmm. Yeah? And then yeah, and 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 it's 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 really a mindset thing because an an a starting sales is going to feel bad. Right. His ego, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we lost. No, 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 no. You learned. Yes. What are the learnings? And every, and also then it's something that I advise. Okay, you lost. Mm-hmm. Then you say, dear prospect, mm-hmm. congratulations that you chose this or that. or mm-hmm. eh? Can I have 30 minutes of your time? Right. And um, my intention is, that I want to provide value to peers of you, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, I want you to bluntly mm-hmm. tell me everything that is wrong with the product, is wrong with the... the mm-hmm. You can question everything. Mm-hmm. Me, the sales, My everybody. Shoes, yeah. ev- mm-hmm. Everybody. And I will say nothing. I will not try to argue. I will not defend it. Mm-hmm. Just give it to me. And I ask you one thing. Say it like it is. Yes. No co- sugarcoating. No, yeah. yeah. No, no sugarcoating. Just that it's, and if you say, Peter, I think you're an arrogant asshole. Mm-hmm. It's also fine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I really want to learn. Okay. Mm-hmm. But those, if you are open mm-hmm. to learn, those are really the golden nuggets there. But you have to be vulnerable. Vulnerable. Need, because yeah. sometimes they will say, you call me too many times. You didn't call me enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, blah 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 blah. You didn't listen. Blah, whatever. Eh? You didn't follow up. Yeah, yeah th- mm-hmm. things like that. And um, 
yeah and 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 for me that's a very important important one and because I I I remember that uh, a CEO that I spoke like a couple of years ago. He was like, "Yeah, we were losing always deals," and I was like, "But why?" And he said, "Yeah, maybe it's price. It's never price. Never price." And and mm-hmm. did you ask your your prospects? No, we didn't. Why don't you? And then we'll we'll we'll, we'll book a meeting again and then explain it to me. And his eyes were like, "Peter, I I discovered things mm-hmm. that I never knew." Yeah, of yeah. course, because you make a fucking assumption. Right, or you didn't want to... People don't like to be told that you're not chosen. People don't like to hear rejection. It's just nature. It's natural. Opening yourself up to say, give it to me, tell me honestly. Was it my shoes? Was it the product? Did I not come prepared? What? What? That means now you're going to hear critique. But if you understand that critique is part of the learning process, then you start enjoying hearing people say, and you develop a filter because ultimately not all critique should be taken internally. Yeah, of course. Shouldn't. But you start developing a filter and say, this this person is going to be honest. I'm just going to listen to him. And here's also where your sales gut feeling can help. You can say, this person is probably going to tell me like yeah. it is. And also the same is that you do it with the one customers, mm-hmm. eh? And then, then, and, and then a typical question is, okay, eh, Tom, we know each other. You have chosen with us. Thank you mm-hmm. very much for the trust. But really, really honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned it's the price or this. No, no, skip that part. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Give me the raw stuff. And a lot of times they will say things like, um, in the beginning, from the beginning on, You guys asked great questions. We saw that you were working mm-hmm. very closely together. Every encounter that we had with your organization was this or was that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so it will always be some kind of emotional thing. Mm-hmm. And then they will rationalize it. Then yeah. they were like, yeah, it's the feature and it's the that mm-hmm. or it's the price. But it always starts with, then, yeah. with, 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 with the emotional thing. Mm-hmm. If you if you ask it, but they will not say that because, yeah, I mean they it's cannot. Not logical, yeah, it, it's not logical, and they cannot defend that internally mm-hmm. to their exact committee, and it's 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 not something you could put in a business case. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can you, you may, maybe you can add it as a small line. Yeah, the work it's a great company, mm-hmm. eh? but no, the price is right in a business case and things like that. And it's very important for me personally if you want to. Yeah, grow in in in, in from from uh, from from a couple of customers mm-hmm. to 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 exponentially grow that. Mm-hmm. There lie the golden nuggets, and and I, but I don't see a lot of people doing that because they are afraid of rejection. Rejection. <laughs> you don't want to be rejected. It's like a dating scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, looking back. Um, you are in Belgium mm-hmm. because you had to because mm-hmm. you couldn't go back to the US because of those uh, that that thing that happened a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Eh? Um, I'll try not to sneeze. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, don't you miss that Silicon Valley rock and roll style? Uh, 
uh, hipster life because it's it's it has some kind of yeah I know it's like Hollywood or something for mm-hmm. for startup scene and besides of all the the, the bling bling I can imagine that mindset wise um, culturally wise uh, it's 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 a more um, startup friendlier environment with more talent and it's not because there is no talent in Belgium but it's just like the the the, the people there are sitting literally on one uh, square kilometer for mm-hmm. instance whereas in Belgium it's scattered all over the place it's a little bit limber it's a little bit in Ghent uh, it's so it's more difficult to 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 really connect to that network that's that's my assumption mm-hmm. do you I mean, do you do you miss it? Um, is it or do you have like, no? It it had it had a reason that I'm here right in Belgium, and especially for my family, this is a more like it's more green and it's a it's a better environment. How how I mean, how do you look? It's a good question. Um, the the question could be, will you ever move back, right? Um, or why did you not stay with Apple? I've I've heard people say, "Hey, you yeah, were working there. Why why did you choose something different?" No, that, that's not quite the question. Mm-hmm. Is really because you were forced to stay here in Belgium mm-hmm. and to rebuild your life here because you couldn't fly back uh, due to the the flying restrictions and blah mm-hmm. blah blah. But but that's the question. So you can rationalize it again, right? Yes, the US, or you have to be careful. The US is very big. I would say specifically the experience I had in in Silicon Valley, uh, gung ho atmosphere. Um, drive. It's like everybody wants to break. Break in whatever way it is. It's the uh, entrepreneurial haven. Um, um, regulations really make it possible to start and run businesses. Talent is abundant. Um, those are all the benefits. The disadvantages are the valley is not what it used to be anymore. We, um, there's a lot of, um, challenges, uh, economically and society wise in Silicon Valley, maybe not ideal for the family, but also from a company perspective, I think things are changing. Now, what is one of the reasons to go there again is when we scale up, when we prove the sales nudge business idea and the U S market becomes something that is going to make the company really big, then by all means, I should go talk in Sandhill. By all means, I need to call. And one of the requirements, unfortunately, that's still the case. Uh, investors still today like their investments close by. I get that. So that would be one reason to go back. Today, no. Mm. I don't think so. Um, and and because, the, because I wrote an, um, a report that the VC money in uh, Silicon Valley is drying up. Um, and even <laughs> that report said... The SaaS era is over, and he, they they it's not over. But mm-hmm. that what they mean with that is that um, it's morphing. It's what it's morphing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's. I mean, the era where there was like unlimited money. Mm-hmm. Um, that that a CEO with a narcissistic, uh, toxic, uh, alpha male ego was pumping up so, pump and dump mm-hmm. some kind of idea. With, with an app which was not really providing value and yeah uh, with investors that that would invest in that I mean I don't want to refer to the FTX uh, mm-hmm. case but that that's that it's 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 slowing down 
Um, I think Silicon Valley is just learning. Yeah. They're learning just like what you were describing. They're seeing cases that didn't work. I mean, if you run a VC fund, and I've never done that, so I, I don't want to speak for them. But if it was my own money and I make mistakes, then, you know, like, for example, the whole case with... Um, um, with, well, a, with a woman there. With, yeah, the with, lady. With a blood... A blood yeah, yeah. Uh, the, tor- Torius, what's uh, Elizabeth's... Uh, Holmes was her Holmes, name, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or is her name. Those things happen and they will continue to happen. It's a risk-based factor. And ultimately, at an early stage of a company, you don't have a lot to go off. It's it's a very interesting... Uh, well, uh, Peter from uh, Sequoia Capital once told me, um, he said, it's funny talking about, you know, uh, on Sophic. Um, he said, it's really weird. On one hand, we are investors and therefore... We want bold statements. We want crazy ideas because we want uh, items in our portfolio to succeed to a level that is hardly imaginable. At the same time, we want to not take too much risk because our portfolio is important. There is a return on investment that we need. And so it's really a catch-22. So will cases like an Elizabeth Holmes or, you know, uh, Sam... Will those happen again? They will, ultimately. And you can see it in in times of high, when there's a lot of capital that needs to be deployed, those things will go up. And in times where we are today, and you can see this is not just a Silicon Valley thing. Globally, investments are slowing down. What was interesting, beginning of the year, we saw more investments actually in the Series A and less in the later stages, which is counterproductive. But that will move. It will move and it's trying to learn from from the system. And ultimately, if VC firm wants to stand out too, they have a business to run. And so they're looking for new ways. Like I said, one of the the traditional things that most VCs haven't stepped away from is any investment we do needs to be local and we want them close. I'm looking forward to diverse VC that makes remote investments successful because that one is going to have an edge. And VC firms, like, just like startups, are looking for other ways. Is that going to be in the Silicon Valley? I don't know that. Mm. We, we, we'll have to see. Now, um, and if you don't want to answer, I really expect that. Um, now you are the majority stakeholder of the company. Mm-hmm. So it means literally you are the boss. <laughs> and it means that you can take all the decisions. I mean... Um, in my experience, adding VCs or adding other shareholders, mm-hmm. where VC is a shareholder, um, depending on the size of that share, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they will have also something to say. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the things that they say as they are not in touch with customers or with prospects is based on papers that they read on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, that will happen. Yeah. And um, whereas sometimes they can suggest very stupid things mm-hmm. um, and it feels like your baby is no longer your baby anymore. Mm-hmm. And I have, um, I, I know certain CEOs who are like, um, I want to, bootstrap as long as I can mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I I don't say I don't want any VCs in my company but they will be very careful 
who they will bring into the company. And I'm, I'm not talking about the money, mm-hmm. but really about who they are as a person or that company and the values. Mm-hmm. And, and, and because, yeah, will they have the same drive and impact mm-hmm. um, on, on building that company instead of just cashing within five to seven years um, and pushing me to an exit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your, what's your, what's your view on your baby sales nudge right now? Um, I think it's a rational decision ultimately. Um, certain models scale and can be potentially run bootstrapped. If you look at Onsofic is a bootstrapped company. We never took on any capital. It had challenges with, or still has challenges with scaling. Um, sales nudge is a, the customer lifetime value of sales nudge is relatively low in the single digit um, thousands. And therefore you need a certain set of capital in order to scale it up. There's no other way. I mean, there's, you could try and, and many startups today are because of the drying up of the capital are looking for ways to get to break even, maybe add some consultancies. It's, it's a business decision. Now to the, the question of, of adding VCs, um, it needs to be for the right reasons. Um, I think it's very important to do some sort of due diligence, but you don't have a, always have the choice, right? If you want your baby to survive and you get into a really financial predicament, you may not have as much time to evaluate potential investors or not. So, and also one last thing, I'm okay with VCs in the company. I'm okay with people trying to solve the same thing. And I think part of it is a, a hiring process. Yep. It's, it's trying to, it's dating. You, and, and even with dating and a relationship, you may not know how the person react in certain circumstances, but if the right values are there, it could, it could improve the situation. Then there's the, the and that's a separate thing, control, right? And one uh, uh, founder once told me, said, listen, try and control your board for as long as you can. Give up extra equity in order to keep control on the company. Because at the end of the day, Quite often, not always, the original founders and the visions and the experiences that they have is going to be more valuable for that particular case than any VC that steps in. So error on the side of giving up equity over control. And so he's run his company in this regards. And I think I'm more that kind of mindset too. That doesn't mean that I won't. I think I am a coachable person, but I'm also somebody who takes decisions at the end of the day. Mm. And I try to make decisions on rational uh, rules and, and, and measurements. But we'll see. I, I haven't been in that situation, so we'll have to see. But this is at least how I think about it today. The, the, the sales nudge idea... Um, which is, by the way, a fantastic product. I'm a big fan, as you are aware of. Um, How did you validate Mm -hmm. the idea that this was, because you're particularly, you're 
your customers right now are Euro-based, European-based? Mm-hmm, correct, okay. yeah. Belgium and the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, on what parameters did you decide that this was a idea where you can make money off or build a company off? How how did you validate that? What, are the, what were the parameters? Good question. Um, ultimately, until you have a, a couple, of, and even then, you're not quite finished validating. No, of course not. Because at this stage of the company, you're still tuning the product, you're still trying to do the market fit, and you're trying to still find the ideal customer profile. And there could be multiple as you go down the road. So we haven't at all figured out, just to be clear. At which point, if, if your question is at which point you decided to push the gas, yeah, was based on experience, you have to see at Onsophic, what we solve is we have large organizations, and by large I mean organizations with a large workforce that need to go through change. And what is change? They need to adopt new processes or and need to adopt new tools, preferably software tools. Traditionally, That's being done with training uh, coaches, um, train the trainer, uh, offsites, that kind of stuff, which is a long process, takes a lot of content. What we found in these large organizations is that if software can detect where the needs are, now you can do really a coach on the shoulder of every individual, automated, and provide insights to the actual coaches to say, this person needs help, here you need So data-driven coaching. But it would apply to a variety of things. The disadvantage of that kind of sale is, well, it's a large company, takes a lot of convincing, long sales cycles, and long implementation cycles, right? And so in 2020, a good time to reflect on things, we started thinking, which cases have we done the most? And turned out to be that sales was something or was a business case that came back over and over again. And the pains that we saw with our customers was if a CRM is involved, getting the people to do the administration part was hard. And so large organizations were looking for insights. Where do we need to push a particular product? Which one is working well? What's not working well? And we saw that over and over again in our large customers. But the disadvantage was needs to be coupled with an HR system. They use their own uh, calendaring system. They've got a CRM, all of this stuff. And so I said, what if we could bring this to SMEs? Because SMEs, they're starting. If you, if you look at the European SME market, anywhere between 10 up to 100 people, they about... 38% of them are starting to use a CRM now. So that has landed. Starting, aren't they using it by default? No. Well. If it's 38% of the market, that's there's still a lot to be grown. Mm-hmm. Belgium and the Netherlands stands out with 48%. Okay. So we're 10% ahead of the, 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 the European average. So if that's happening in Belgium and the Netherlands, what's causing that? And you can see... Thanks to companies like Team Leader, FSE, there's a lot of awareness about that being important. The challenge is, though, those are generic CRMs. And so things that are missing are insights, team features. That kind of stuff was not there. And so we said, if we can help them with that, since we've seen that, and we can plug on the CRM, now there's an opportunity there. And so then we started working with a company, a partnering company that's 
had quite a bit of experience in sales and said, hey, can we just put some Excel sheets, start building some that it looks like it? And we used Kumail.io for the first dashboarding. It didn't look great, but it was good to test it out. And that happened in 21, beginning 22. And so when we saw that at a certain point, and we did, I think by the time we were 22, I had 250 conversations with sales managers all over the place, different CRMs, different company sizes. And a set of questions always came back. And that was the basis of saying, all right, when we can start answering these, these questions, and that was 22 about, is let's give them something to and start answering these questions and see if they pay for it. Because in my experience, you never should do things for free. So I said, no, this costs money. I was very honest about the capabilities of the product and that was beta and they were early stage customers, but they started learning with us. Mm-hmm. And that's when you then get to 10, 15 customers, now you can start adding. Mm-hmm. Now you see somebody wants to pay for it. We went from license of, 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 of um, a quarter to two quarter to one year licenses and every started. And then you see people uh, upgrading or basically renewing, then you know this is starting to work. Those 250 uh, sales managers, Mm -hmm. what what are the insights that you take away? I mean, um, is there a high quality of sales manager? Is there a lot of work to do? Um, What was your, what what were were your, yeah, your things that you learned that you did know up front that you, that you, uh, were there specific industries that you say, ah, oh, that, that's better there? Or I, I don't know, were there specific? Well, it's to the applicability of a product, right? So a dropshipping company is not going to get a lot of value from sales search because sales search is specifically uh, targeting... Um, B2B, or, I assume. Or, yeah, organizations that have an actual yeah. sales team. Yeah. Um, things, I was surprised to see how little sales organizations are doing things based on insights. A lot of it is still purely based on intuition. And I think there's a, there is a, um, a balance that needs to be driven between uh, intuition and insights. And I was surprised at how many organizations actually have a CRM and are still running Excel sheets right next to it. So they have the CRM, but it's not filled out. It's not used very much. That was definitely one thing that that was surprising. I knew this from from Onsofic, but still, they spend a lot of money on implementing a CRM, but it's rarely used for what it's intended to do. Yeah. Okay. We, and, and specifically, like if you look at Team Leader... I saw a lot of organizations, yeah, we have a CRM. Okay, great. That means we should we should have a conversation. Yeah, but we don't log anything. We just put the deal in there so we can send an invoice using Team Leader. And I was like, wow, okay, great. Um, interesting. And then a lot of sales organizations that still said, here are the keys, here's the lead list, uh, here's your laptop, and this is the deck that you use and go ahead. That's, and I'm like... It's actually the, that's what you're referring to, the last yeah. one. is actually... But I see ninety nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a great opportunity, I think, in the right guidance, in coaching, in supporting your team, in helping building up your team, such that each member has a specific skill set that can help the whole team succeed. I think there's still too much individualism in sales. Yeah, and it's something I learned from Yannick van Aken uh, from Melrox. 
he said to me that, um, and it's it's a very strange thing. Mm-hmm. He said, a lot of sales managers don't have the time to coach their people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and what the hell are they doing then? Internal meetings? And he said, yeah, then they have like a weekly meeting and it's performance review mm-hmm. meetings. So it's taking Excels and KPIs. How many does he do? How many? Now like, yeah, but that's not really coaching. That's mm-hmm. reading Excel. Mm-hmm. You, that, I mean, what's the intelligence about that? I mean, I mean, how, for me, it's really about how can you improve your sales? Mm-hmm. How, how can, how can they become better at what yeah. they, they, they are doing? Um, You're the leader of the pack. You yeah, need to so, enable your team. Yes. So you, how, how, I mean, that's, that's, that should be your focus. I mm-hmm. mean, otherwise, how can you scale your sales? Otherwise you have to do every deal yourself. And he said, Peter, but if we, if, if they would think like that, mm-hmm. then I would be out of business. And I'm like, okay, interesting insight. I, I was really, um, yeah, surprised by that. And, Today, I believe that um, there has been a, especially in the SaaS world, there has been a era that um, it was surfing the wave. Mm-hmm. So this means that software was just bought, and um, it was bought, and and I think now in these special times, based on the companies that I see is that most sales organizations have their first priority is having qualified new logos leads. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's they're looking for that magic formula. They forgot to invest in certain things uh, the last years, but that's a detail. And I think right now we're going to see who is going to be great sales leaders and mm-hmm. who aren't and those who aren't and that's some things i heard already is that and it's a very sad thing is is that they are exaggerating certain toxic behavior yeah mm-hmm. which is going to lead into burning burning out sales people and and really toxic negative behavior and pushing mm-hmm. certain people and which is actually bad sales management because they cannot tolerate the stress and, and the pressure. Um, so this means great work for you guys because mm-hmm. uh, that is going to yeah, help yeah. certain sales leaders to, to really, also young sales leaders, to, to, to really guide them and to, to really make it tangible. Because, I mean, it's, it's, if, you, if you have like a team of five, six, seven people, it's... When you have three people, it's easy. Mm-hmm. You you can do a lot lot of meetings with them yeah. with and customers. And you have a good touch with and them. And yeah. you really know. Mm-hmm. But when it's more than five, it it's so difficult to really know. Yeah. How are they really doing? Mm-hmm. And then you get that intuition thing, mm-hmm. and it's it's a very good tool, but it cannot just limit it by that because having intuition and just, I they did not reach the target. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a very, right. It's right. not because somebody reaches that target. He or she is a good sales. Nope. No, no. 
No. So you have to be very... Well, no, you have a, a, a loose cannon in your team, right? It, it may fire really well or it may not, and you don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing that a typical CRM system does not give you insights. Correct, yes. Yeah, we know that very well, yes. Now, we're not all the way there. We're developing on that. But specifically, I think, I mean, coming back to the burning platform, which is one strategy, right? Uh, I think there is a burning platform. There is changes happening. I think digitization is happening in sales and I'm really digitization is happening. And I think the, the salespeople, the new kids on the block are starting to understand that there is a, a new synergy between technology and sales. And I think the successful organizations and that's coaching that is making decisions that is choosing where, where, which deals to work on and stuff that is not just going to magically appear. You need the system to make that work. And I think that's, that's where we're going to be heading in the next five to six years, because is it, it is under pressure. It is under pressure. I, I, I'm, my personal opinion is that um, it's no longer um, it, it should no longer be on on sales alone. Mm-hmm. It should be um, really this marketing thing mm-hmm. where you really have that overview of inbound outbound. And and that you as a, as a sales leader or whatever mm-hmm. leader that you have an overview to really turn on the dials because I mean there are so many parameters driving mm-hmm. that that you have to make sure that I mean, you cannot rely hundred percent on inbound you cannot hundred percent rely on outbound no. you, you know, and and so you have to be because all those the, the market is changing dynamics are changing mm-hmm. and. I mean, it's, it's going to be a team and the team ha- goes beyond the sales. Yeah. Right. I mean, marketing says we have this message this is going to get the, uh, the, the MQLs into the system. Uh, if we only knew what the customer, that's your sales team. They are sitting with your prospects and your customers every day. It's their job. Ask them. You, we've had this conversation. It's like silos. And I know I'm 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 kicking in an open door, but it is still there. And even in the small organizations that you think, oh wow, I mean they're literally at the same desk. How is it possible that 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 even in a small company like that there is these silos? The whole it's an ecosystem. Market insights, marketing, the pitch, the, what the salespeople discover, and use them. They are going to have the conversation. You have an assumption about what the market thinks about your product, they are going out. Ask them to to do a certain pitch, to ask a certain question versus sending mindless surveys. Mm. No, they, they're doing it. They're going out. Um, in, 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 in terms of your personal vision in, with, with customers, I mean, you, you have these management theories like um, operational excellence versus customer intimacy mm-hmm. I mean is it for you and and or is it the one or the other I mean I mean there are certain people that I know yeah if the customers are not that happy that's fine I mean as long as we are operational excellent okay that's that's a thing <sighs> yeah there's no one 
one right i don't think it's it's a it's a i believe especially in the early stages as we're trying to learn from the product the customer is always right yeah because there is so much that is still a rough diamond that any feedback that you do you should really listen to ask if you can if the customer is not too frustrated ask them ask them again you have to i mean you know the book crossing the chasm mm-hmm. one of the the advantages that you have with an early adopter is they will take a risk on you they are more flexible you know at a certain point they will leave you because they like buying new things they like trying new things so they won't be there forever but while they're there make good use of them they will be critical they will have a certain are about, wow, I want to try something new and this is something new, but getting their feedback. So in that phase, I would definitely say customer-driven, getting a lot from the customer. When you start scaling up, you got to start filtering through, through, I mean, just tuning out the noise, as you say. You have to do that because ultimately you don't want to be pulled in every single direction. Yeah, and also... And it's, I think it's, it was the guy from Odo who said that, is that um, there is a difference between, and I experienced also myself, mm-hmm. is that the customers who have brought you from zero to 10 mm-hmm. are different customers than from 10 to hundreds. Exactly. Because they're bigger, they are more complex and things mm-hmm. like that. And so this means that, yeah, you will discover that the sales cycle and the mm-hmm. cost of sales is, yeah, is equal to that smaller deal as to a little bigger deal. Mm-hmm. So for you, it's more interesting to focus on that bigger deal because the cost of sales is actually mm-hmm. the same. But at the same time, those little ones made you big. Yes. So, and it's really that paradox where you have to live in and to say, I mean, you could enjoy uh, a product at a very cheap price, mm-hmm. when you put it a little bluntly, mm-hmm. um, and getting value out of it. Um, but we're coming at a stage where we cannot longer um, justify that. Yeah, um, and it sounds very easy. It's chapter three and four in Crossing the Chasm. It's about the most, it's basically killing your early revenue yes. for the chance that the early adopters will start scaling up your product. Yep. And that's literally chapter three and four in crossing the chasm. And, and it's the, for investors, for the founder, you're literally telling them, yeah, we're going to cut that revenue. We're going to just cut the revenue because we believe we can scale up. It's the same. What, what, what I learned, because we're talking about learning experiences here, what I learned in Onsophic and Onsophic, I learned the typical thing that every book says when you are working with large organizations, don't get stuck in integration hell. And to some degree, we did. And that's just because there are really large contracts, there is large financial value, and they're sustainable of your company. So you will bend the vision of your product based on your customer. It's just an, an existential decision. Um, and that makes SaaS so interesting because you have to balance that constantly be by and you you said it really well by saying now we're not going to do that we're going to do that this one is valid this is not and a good ceo or a good product um manager is going to find a good balance between that mm. yeah but in order to cross the chasm 
unfortunately, you're going to disappoint a lot of your early customer base as part of the bird of the learning process. You had a very traumatic, traumatic experience by losing one of your friends Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. co-founders. How, how, how did that affect uh, your your vision on the the relativity of life and doing a startup again and a company because a startup sounds really cool at the same time it's um it's like an sm sadomasochistic um exercise you're doing because yeah you're struggling all the time because mm-hmm. there is so much you better enjoy and, it yeah and, yeah, and, and clarity you, know, you need to find the right people and people leave then the product fits it's never going to be perfect. It's really hard. And then in combination with, 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 with family and things like that. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. How did that affect the, the, the because I, I imagine I take the assumption that you were very close with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it's like cutting off an arm. Mm-hmm. So uh, how did that impact your your vision on on on, on life and on on yeah doing a, a startup again was there never a time like okay whoa this is this is really heavy this is i i'm here faced with the 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 end and the the how do you call that the uh, the endlessness of life Mm-hmm. Uh, and and maybe I should uh, reprioritize my 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 focus in life and yeah doing a startup thing yeah it's all fine but maybe ch- ch- choose some other um, way of 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 making giving my life a sense of meaning passion well, that's a great one I know he was the same way. Yeah, there's no more to say. I mean, sure, it affects you. I mean, every day, it, it's it's even this noon, the conversation where we had, I see things and I'm trying, because he was also my mentor, right? He was not a fully operational person, especially not for sales nudge. Um, he did he did some of the finance stuff, but he was not as actively involved as an insophic. But, but he was in the first place a mentor and a friend. Um, he, he'd been in the Valley for a long, long time, um, had done several startups successfully. And so his greatest thing was after I retire, I want, there were a couple of things he wanted to achieve and we achieved those together. And so after 2020, cause he, 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 things started not, there were different concerns in 2020. Um, you know, he was less and less involved. Um, but still as a friend, we were constantly touching and I had, a, you know, one of the biggest values that a co-founder can bring is, is a, a klangbord, eh? is something to, to meet with and, and check your sanity and also knowing each other well enough where one person, you appreciate him calling you out and saying, Hey, what, what was this about? Um, so that, that I miss, I definitely miss that part now, um, in running the company, but the passion that he had is part of the mentorship he instilled into me. Um, and so 
it didn't waver anything into what I want to do and I'm I'm currently able to do. Mm. So no, it didn't change for me personally. It didn't change anything about Sales Nudge at all, or on Sophic for that matter. If you if you if you would knock here on the door as a kind of a spirited version, and and he said, Tom, you can you can you can give me one minute. What mm -hmm. would you say to him right now? We had that moment before because I I I traveled to. California in November when he was already really, really bad. And we met or I, I came to his house, I stayed at his house. And um, when I entered the room, we, there was no word said. I didn't need to say thank you. I didn't, all of the things we were at a very good space and I just came in. How can I help for the situation? So, no, I, I don't think we want to say anything. It'd be great to see him. You just mentioned that you, when we saw each other this afternoon, mm -hmm. I'm going to say it in my words, you felt he was there. Mm -hmm. or you had to, what were you referring to? Ian was very good in, well, flow. Yeah. he He could say, Stop meddling with the situation. It's going to flow. You joining lunch. Previously, I would say, no, there was no appointment. We had No, let it. It's There is a reason why this is happening. And he was very good in setting circumstances, not, not controlling it. It just would happen where he'd said, all right, Peter there, Ruben there, Mo there. Perfect. He would set those things up. So that's why I said I could feel, mm. because it's rationalization and I'm a, a very rational person, but still I knew if there was some intervention, he would set it up like that because he knew I would struggle with the decisions I'm about to make. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes, I know what you mean now. And so that's why I said, oh, this would be something Ian would have done exactly like this. Mm. Okay. Um, you studied where? In which city? I, uh, Hasselt. All right. Um, well, actually, I started my studies in Hasselt, but I completed my uh, degree in, in the university yeah. uh, in Missouri. Mm. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing that I learned in, I, I believe it was with the podcast with Phil Verheyen. Ah, yeah, okay. uh, yeah, you mm -hmm. explained the, everything there. Uh, I think you explained there the whole thing where you got into contact with Borland. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's how my uh, career got started. So, yeah. so um, we're not going to go into that. That's mm -hmm. why you need to listen to the podcast with Tom with uh, Phil Verheyen, Awake and Very Brave. Very good one, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, the reason why do you want to do it in English or conversation was, is it because you can express yourself better in English? Okay, yes. Okay. I, I left Belgium in 1999 okay. when I was 21 years old. I am now 45. So most of my career, my shaping um, has been in English. And so f with, the, with the three, four years that I've been here, sure, my Dutch has adapted again, um, but still impulsive decision, which is the 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 best measure of what how you're thinking is still in English. When when I 
need to make short comments to the kids or I'm angry or I make a point, I will always switch back to English. Mm. At least maybe over the years it will change again, but English is easier. So you speak Dutch with your wife? Uh, I speak Dutch with Pascal, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Allez. Limburg Dutch, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, with subtitles. Yeah. No, no, um, though, while in the U.S., we spoke English, and my son um, also the first couple of years spoke English, yeah. Cool. Now, um, it's today, it's a Friday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by accident. I was in Hasselt. I was Zonhoven this mm-hmm, afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's Hasselt. Uh, Zonhoven, I associate that with uh, Reggie and with uh, with uh, Zornik, the, the singer, guitar player, because I believe they live there. Because the, 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 the guitar player of Zornik is an is a, like, acquaintance of mine. Mm-hmm. And I know he's rehearsing in Zonhoven. Um, imagine... We would uh, have have dinner in Hasselt, mm-hmm. and uh, the 18-year-old Tom enters. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Hey, Tom, you don't have any hair, hair, mm-hmm. and your friends, he doesn't even have hair." Um, what kind of uh, life advice, insights, lessons would you give to? The 18-year young Tom and saying like, yeah, but every lesson is, uh, everything that happened is a lesson mm-hmm. inside. That doesn't count. What kind of advice or advices would you give him? Don't use too much gel because you're losing, losing your hair. I mean, uh, grow a beard. Um, no. What, what would you um, or say the, the electric version of, of Volkswagen a- sucks? Go for this. <laughs> um, you always, at least I end up in a, what, what would no, I no, tell no. him? What, what comes in naturally? I don't want to hear the, the rational part. I want to hear the gut, the gut part from Tom right now. So you don't have to overthink Start it. earlier. Start early with, with, with a company. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was actually the whole thing that I was waiting for. Like, why in the hell did you wait that long? I can imagine because your father and your mother, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. That, that is, I think, really it because there were so many rules that, and that's it's not a bad thing, right? It's just what I grew up in that I had to undo. Yeah, but the same for me, I mm-hmm. unlearn it. Eh? Yeah, and that's why I said start earlier. Consider other ways. I think if there's one thing that I would would share with myself at that age, um, it would be that start earlier. That, that doesn't. I mean, the experience at the big companies definitely shaped, and some of the thinking definitely comes at the big companies. But that 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 could have been shorter. I mean, a year or two there, that's what, what you meant by the 18-year-olds. Try it. Come on, go go in a big company for two years. Make sure to to to, to decide what you want to get from that. But if it's there after two years, move on. Yeah. And would it would you would you choose the same um degree? I mean, would you order or go for a master in informatics or in IT or something else if you could redo it again? And what is the what do you believe is the impact of a degree on, on your on your career? Because um, there are no degrees but to become an entrepreneur. No, I th- I think it's part of your DNA. I, I'm, and and um, 
uh, back to the talent thing. No, I, th I think it's, you cannot make entrepreneurs if they're not one. I, I think it's nearly impossible to do. Uh, and then entrepreneur is also a mixed bag uh, of skills, right? Passion is one of them. Determination, going where somebody doesn't want to go, be a little bit arrogant, have a little bit of going against the grain. That's all skills that need to be part of an entrepreneur. And I don't think those skills are not necessarily trained skills. You can train some of them, but part of it is it, you either have it or you don't. Um, would I do computer science again? And maybe immediately in Belgium, but maybe immediately in the US or something? No, no. I, 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 coming back, remember I was saying the advantages and disadvantages earlier. Um, I think the, the fact that I got my base education here in Belgium, hmm. at the time, I don't know now, it's been too long, but was very good. It, it prepared me perfectly for going to the US. And a good example of that is I remember we were write, writing on our final paper in the United States. And so I, I did a classic Greek Latin education here for the first four years. And then I switched to sciences mm -hmm. and mathematics mm -hmm. um, in, in, in high school. Um, and so when we were writing our final paper, one of the people were working on chip design and they in the U.S. had no notion about basic chemistry, basic physics, things that we had in in, in high school. Okay. So whereas like, okay, so the base education back then was here very good and prepared me perfectly for going to the U.S. Because the U.S., at least the university I was in, was very applied. I was a sponge. People would give me stuff and see what, what I could do with it. But that would have not been possible if I didn't have the base degree. So that I wouldn't change, at least at the time. Uh, would I still study computer science? Yeah. Because with computer science, it's like studying economics. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you, or even marketing, I didn't study marketing, eh? but from the things I know is that the moment you start and the, the moment you finish, mm -hmm. when you finish, everything that you learned is already obsolete and old. I agreed. I think the concept of what, computer education is and i haven't done it recently maybe it changed i think it's way more important to learn concepts than a programming language a programming language can support a concept but learning the concept and now learning with chat gpt how it can help you program better is going to be way more important than learning how java works really because by the time indeed when you graduate maybe java has been replaced by something else uh, so there yeah the method of which um During my education, especially with, with Belgium, the computer science, I was constantly say I haven't learned anything. But now looking back, it was a guideline for my passion. Because if you're just flying on passion, there were many different places I could go. And because of the education, at least there were guardrails by which I structured how I was learning. But I think the education by itself is not enough. Um, you can be very self-driven, I think, get the same quality of education with for computer science. Mm. But my wife is a doctor, and I, I don't recommend that being um, through an online course. So yeah, okay. there is a variance of what skills you can pick up or not. The ways are going to be different. I saw that already in the U.S., right? Yeah. Um, you know, a certain skill nowadays, especially with online learning, is freely available. But the, the biggest challenge in learning is not the content it's the coaching and isn't the education system if you say look the content whatever mm -hmm. but the network because you are 
normally uh, going to meet like-minded peers mm-hmm. or at least share some kind of passion. And from there, yeah, it's possible that you, you meet each other afterwards, mm-hmm. that you look at more from a networking perspective. It depends on the computer science. Part of it is indeed sharing and working together. That's why open source projects and so have become very popular. It enables people who are by nature, not people who enjoy meeting each other, still can collaborate and build great projects together they can do on their own. So open source has definitely proven that and the whole open source movement. Is that necessary to become a great programmer because I'm looking at this, that specific skill. I, I don't know the, the advantage that you have nowadays, thanks to GitHub and all of these tools mm-hmm. online, you can learn really quick in an environment in a project that you download and you start committing, uh, merging and, and basically um, adding value to very easily. That didn't exist when I was studying. I mean, um, and so I always say people who said, well, I'm studying computer science, but I really, I mean, I wish I had some more experience in companies. You don't need that. Mm. You can go online and start contributing to any open source project tomorrow. Mm. There are projects managers there. There's documentation. There is the whole, you can, you don't even need to apply for a job Mm. on that one. And there's enough projects out there that you can, you can start learning from. Um, That is what I would advise to my younger me if I were to, Mm start studying and still I think part of it is is the educational guardrails would help there but I think that needs to be redesigned okay now I discovered a secret from you that nobody knows and I'm going to share it openly and publicly mm-hmm. you are playing guitar a little bit a little bit yes which makes you of course separate from the masses now I'm um, you you mentioned the offspring. Mm-hmm. The offspring is great music, mm-hmm. but who is for you? Who do you admire as a guitar player? Are you? I mean, you spent a lot of time in the US, and the mm-hmm. music in the US and here is different. Yes, I mean, yes. I mean, I mean, um, one of my heroes is a is actually a Dutch guy. Um, it's Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, Van Halen, uh, yes. like Beat It. He yeah. wrote that uh, and. And, the, and, the, and and in Belgium, it's um, that kind of music is not hip, mm-hmm. eh? especially today. It's it's it's, but I like it, and I even mm-hmm. I, I even play some kind of that kind of guitars because yeah, it's a little bit rebellious. Um, but things like the Wallflowers and and things like Third Eye Blind. Mm-hmm. I mean, here in Belgium, it's it's people yeah. don't know that kind of or even the Dave Matthews bands. Um, and I could go on. Are there are there um, or if John Mayer, I, mm-hmm. I also am a big fan of John Mayer. I mean, people here know him because he's the ex of Taylor Swift or from Jennifer Aniston mm-hmm. or Katy Perry, but not, he's a great musician. Um, what, what are the typical, what, what are your heroes there or, or heroines? Because the best guitar players are females. Eh? I mean, yeah. Yeah, the the lady that um, in the later concert from Michael Jackson yeah. played Beat It was a lady, yeah? yeah. No, no, there were two ways. So mm-hmm. in the 80s, you Slash had... Slash was, was at one point... Did, yeah, Slash, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. But you you had... Um, what's her name? 
Um, I forget her too because uh, I remember. But the the last one which who was in the in the film This Is It, mm-hmm. she's now the partner already for quite some time of Richie Sambora of Bon Jovi. Okay. Orianti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and but in the eighties it was Jennifer Batten. She ah, was yeah. mm-hmm. she was with big hair mm-hmm. and she's literally one of the best female guitar players ever in the world, whatever is best. I mean mm-hmm. um and, and now today, yeah, I mean uh Taylor Swift is responsible for skyrocketing uh, defender sales mm-hmm. of guitars yeah. and, and there are m- right now more female um, technical players mm-hmm. than, than there are male. If yeah, you, you online, see on YouTube, yeah, you have a, yeah. many ladies, yes. also Asian yeah. ladies who yes. do amazing Asi- stuff. Asian, but also Brazilian. You have mm-hmm. like uh, Lara Basilio, who is is Brazilian. She's a, she used to be a lawyer, mm-hmm. and she's an amazing guitar player. Uh, yeah. And it's it's uh, and I, I I find and real technically, it's mm-hmm. not about just singer songwriter. No, 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 out, they're no, actually really. Really technical prowess, eh? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I'm really simple. Like I've since like my teens, like early teens, I've been a Metallica fan. Okay, I can't hide it. <laughs> Is it then for Kirk or for James? James, James. Yeah, he's one of the best written guitar players. Yes, eh? yes. Um, but at the same time, my dad used to always have um, Dire Straits on. Mark okay. Buffer. I actually got to see like one of my all-time favorite moments, I think, was uh, five, six years ago. Mark Loeffler was in, in Antwerp. Antwerp. Is yes. this because I don't want to see him today because mm-hmm. I think he's an old man. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, he's, the he's, feeling he's, really, he's really folky. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and I'm more of the, the 80s uh, walk of, of life. Of yeah, 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 yeah. But um, still, seeing that man do it live. Yeah, yeah that, was, that, was, that, was, that was crazy. Um, I, I try and catch Metallica concerts, even though they've gone more mainstream. I've gone through the whole variety from the really early days. Uh, you, so you're not like started from the back album, but no, before? no, kill them all. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but I'm I'm a patient Metallica fan. As in anything new they bring out, open doors. Let's see let's see if I like it or not. Mm, uh, f- for me, I stopped at, what was it, Unloaded or what is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, then the, the, there the, were a couple of records were... there. But then St. Anger, a lot of people didn't like St. Anger. I liked the tin drum and the rawness of of the recording um, that that was. Mm. Forget the movie and everything comes with it. No, I, I still enjoy hearing, because... I don't think of Metallica. I think of this is a new record of a band, and let's let's yeah, just yeah. look so, at it. So Metallica, what, what, what's 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 also on your playlist? My playlist is very diverse. Like, must, but if in, yeah. in rock, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So so while I was living in Omaha, Nebraska, a lot of it was K rock. That's where I learned K rock. K rock, but it's not a band. It's it's a radio station in ah. Omaha, Nebraska. Is it, it's like college rock, or what is it? No, uh, uh, I I don't know. K is probably the, the name of the the frequency or something yeah. like that. And they they would play all. The, that was the early days of Dave Matthews. That were the early days of, um, oh man, uh, what was it again? The Reckoning was one of their songs. A lot of bands that never even made it to Europe. Um, I, one of them was also pre-program of Metallica while they were here in the, in the early 2000s. Um, 
I have to look all of them up. But yeah, I got exposed to a lot of like rock, rock bands that, that yeah. never make it here. Um, not not as passionate about it but by Metallica, but it, it definitely tickled my rock thing. But I can just as well enjoy um, techno, dance. Even one of the things for the longest time I didn't like was country music until I started learning about Johnny Cash and what he has produced. I was like, okay, this is... This is different country than Shania Twain, right? Yeah, yeah of course. But um, I, I mean, if you look at the guitar plays behind uh, um, Shania Twain. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I mean, those. Are, but it's a different type of country yeah, of course, music. Of course. But I mean, country music here in Belgium is a little bit, I mean, at least from my perception, because I, I know a couple of country singers and, mm-hmm. and, and artists in Belgium. It's like a subgenre. It's not mm-hmm. not that popular. Whereas in, in the US, it's crossover with rock pop. Um I mean line it's, dancing, it's, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also in Belgium, you know, it's still line dancing here in Belgium has a as as has a, has a little bit uh, marginal marginal. Mm-hmm. Eh? Not, not not in uh, where no, I, was. I know, I know. But and and um, in the US, you you were into um, Brad Paisley kind of thing. You know Brad Paisley? I don't know. No, no. he's a he's a big 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 country star. Mm-hmm. But he has a very um, it's like Keith Urban. You know, him? I, yeah. mm-hmm. he's I know here that. famous for being the husband of Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the US, he's an amazing, um, yeah artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I I really like those guys. But it's it's here. It's unknown. Yeah, um, but the, a lot of the Midwestern music, like the Bible Belt music, and also the Christian Bi- rock. Bible, yeah, the Christ- Bible Belt. That's basically Missouri, Omaha. Ah, okay, that's and, and Christian music. It's like uh, yeah. it's like a church. Uh, no, no, it's Christian. like rock music about yeah. Christian topics. So yeah, this is a genre that doesn't exist here. At yes, it exists and it exists in Limburg. Eh, really? Yes, yes. I I've. I um it's it's not that big, but there are Christian rock bands mm-hmm. in in Limburg, mm-hmm. um, and they've been there for quite some time, and they're literally playing rock music about mm-hmm. Jesus and God yeah. and things like that. And I even went. To, Do you remember the Levelers from our? Of course, from yeah, yeah. There's only one way, mm-hmm. and and it, that was a very strong religious background. There was this other band. Ser- seriously? Yes. Um, there was this other band also that made it big here. Because that, the, the Levelers, they were big. They they played like, they're very, mm-hmm. very, they, in the 90s, they were everywhere here. There's yeah. only one way. Um, and that were on this, that song, One Way. And they have quite, quite some songs. And I forget um, what the, um, oh, I, I, I will find, now I need to find out. There was this one band that got really, really popular. Um and ultimately failed because the singer got into like um, substance abuse. But but that was also a very Christian band that be, became very uh, worldwide known. Um, Evanescence initially was also Evanescence. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. My immortal. Mm-hmm. I I really love that band. I like the first version. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right After now, they, start, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Moody, Ben Moody, and Solder. But they they originally came also at out of the. Um, more? More religious background, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when I, I'll after this, I'll I'll look it up. But there's this one band that I I can hear the song in my head, but I can't come to the words. But that those were also a very religious band. Yeah, 
but I don't hear any classic rock uh, 70s uh, Cream Hendrix Queen Queen yes yes Live in Wembley one of my favorite oh, albums it was on the television I think uh, I if you what... hear that voice it it's yeah that's insanity yeah for me yeah. It's, it's the energy of that whole band the the, the whole one vision mm-hmm. that intro the, the hammer to fall mm-hmm. We will rock you, um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, what is it called with this vacuum cleaner? I want to break free. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole energy, and then and then the whole interaction with the with the with the, with the public. Mm-hmm. I mean, ayo, ayo, and then mm-hmm. they sing, and then fuck you, and yeah. it's, it's so oh, it's it's so beautiful. But the voice, the, vo- the the carry of that voice is insane. It's insane. there. I don't think any. I've not experienced anybody. Who, that had that voice scary so much like, but he was also known for the, the biggest, um, the CQ, total, yeah, 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 that's correct. Yeah. So the, the distance between the lowest notes yeah, yeah. and the highest note, yeah. it had something to do with the fact with his teeth. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. how his mouth was formed. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you, did you saw, saw the, the movie? See the movie? Being I did. I did. Uh, I think on a plane ride somewhere, but yes, I did see it. Yeah. I, f- yeah. I find it very inspiring. It's it's a little lin- linear or parallel to the story of Elton John. Also, mm-hmm. that that yeah, um, Freddie Mercury was yeah was uh, not good enough for mm-hmm. his parents. His yeah, father yeah. rejected him. Mm-hmm. Um, also, by his Syrian friends, refugee, they, thought, they, they, yeah. they 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 thought that he was like. Uh, yeah, very strange. It's quite similar, by the way, mm-hmm. in parallel, if you look compared to Ellen John, but also Eddie Van Halen. The, the, the Alex and Eddie Van Halen, they were yeah, refugees uh, in, in, in the US, so they were seen as very strange persons. And, and uh, I, that, that comes back to one of the things that Ian and I came, we had so a couple of topics that there is no real answer to, but one of them is, does a child need to experience hardship, bad hardship to be successful? It's <laughs> that's a great question. It's really, it really it depends on what you define the success. Eh? I, I I think I know what you mean. In my personal opinion, with my limited experience from from the people that I know that I've seen that are successful in the mm-hmm. Western traditional ways, like making an ex- an exit and earning millions and millions and millions of of euros. Mm-hmm. Um, they all had that. Even myself, I was um, bullied. I was mm-hmm. a very introverted person. And um, the startup sales thing um, was a persona, a mask to carry because I thought that it 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 it, um, it gave me an identity yes. to survive in the world. And exactly. if 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 I look to and I'm not going to name any details here, but if I look to all the successful CEOs that I know and I worked with, mm-hmm. they all have that. They all look have, at all big performance they, they, in sports. Yeah, they have all some kind of traumatic I imposter syndrome. Um I was doing it for my dad. I was things like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Eh? Mm-hmm. And so if I look 
to myself um if i hadn't had that um urge to prove myself mm-hmm. and that i that 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 identity i don't think i would it builds have, persistence yeah that gave me that that grit that drive to to keep on going that's what what my wife tells me you mm-hmm. have if if there if you want something you will have it and you will do whatever it takes and that's also my pitfall mm-hmm. because then I forget everything yes yeah I mean and then I have like and then the passion is only yeah. then then it's only that which makes it for startups when I was like twenty five or thirty mm-hmm. perfect because mm-hmm. I worked day and night um, did it make me happy <laughs> that's a different question yeah yeah. Um, but I have no regrets of it because I learned a lot and it's, um, yeah, it's just part to who, yeah, who, who I am. And I believe that I, if I, if I'm going to go, I mean, you, you mentioned the sport people and, and actors, but if I, if I look, I mean, if, if, if I look for instance, that if you make sure that your mess becomes your message, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there there is something. If you look at, for instance, uh, the 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 in now famous Doctor Gabor Maté, you know him. Doctor Gabor Maté is is now a very famous um, expert in mm-hmm. trauma, mm-hmm. and he uh, was actually a child uh, when he was a baby in mm-hmm. the in the in the in the womb yeah. in the womb of his mother, and his his mother is a Hungarian mm-hmm. uh, woman. Mm-hmm. Living uh, in 1942, mm-hmm. I believe he was born in 44, 45, something like that. You know what happened in four, 1944? It was mm-hmm. a Second World War. Mm-hmm. And that was the time that he, when he was in the womb, I think the, the Germans were entering or the Nazis were entering. Mm-hmm. So, and his mother was facing a lot of stress while yeah. the baby was in the womb. And he um, explains that that yeah trauma um, is happening to almost everybody in some big or or small uh, form, and there is a relationship between trauma and 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 certain diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he said like okay, I mean you have the trauma. Um, but it's it's uh, you don't have to be yeah a victim of yeah. of the trauma mm-hmm. but a lot of autoimmune diseases are related to to that so in order to to yeah uh, to heal and so if you look at him if you see him online you see really a broken man mm-hmm. literally because yeah. he's he's so um, how you say that he's already an old man and you can see it in his face it's mm-hmm. it's 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 really it's like a Keith Richards of of doctors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, but then without the drugs. Yeah, and I I find it very beautiful that he, yeah, I mean, he embodies that trauma. It's I, it sounds very weird, but it would I yeah I have yeah I have respect for somebody who really lived that mm-hmm. and and so like like Elton John if you see the movie or even Freddie Mercury I mean. Mm-hmm. It's also inspirational, so that you don't have to be vic- that you can use that 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 thing mm-hmm. 
that made you maybe small to 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 achieve great things. I mean, if you look at Steve Jobs, I mean, the man was also not. Uh, Elon Einstein, Musk, same story. Einstein, yeah, Elon Musk, the same story. Mm-hmm. Einstein, the same thing. I mean, even Mahatma Gandhi, it's, it's, it's all, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe the, 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 the very safe persons they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yes, I think a, a Lady Gaga, it's the mm-hmm. same there. So, yes, I believe there is a relationship. Is it always... I don't know, but... In, no, no, in the, I think a lot of people who experience extreme trauma, whatever it is, um, I think a large percentage is unable to cope with it or find a positive way to use the energy that it generates. Um, but yeah, the ones that are find a way to funnel it to be can can be deter- destined to do great things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom, I want to thank you. Mm-hmm. I had in mind intention to do it in 60 minutes. <laughs> I have it's, no idea how long this has been. Uh, a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to thank you for the energy, mm-hmm. for the person you are. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, yeah, I, I really liked all the subjects that mm-hmm. we touched upon in this conversation. Uh, I wish likewise. you all the best. And mm-hmm. I hope that by this conversation that you become so that sales knowledge becomes so famous mm-hmm. that the that it will be selling by the millions mm-hmm. um and um be a good dad for your children i try i try my best thank you for having me i really i really enjoyed this evening i have no idea how good the content will be but i had a good conversation and that goes for something so thank you hey it's peter here thanks a lot for listening to what's on your mind looking forward to your opinions and comments and don't forget to subscribe on psgrow.com and leave your email address to stay tuned for future episodes bye